You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast, episode number 34. Today, we are talking with Mandy, who drove three and a half hours in order to have a provider who would support her VBAC with a special scar. But before we hear her exciting story, Megan has a review of the week. Yay! I'm absolutely loving these reviews. Today, we have a review from TK... H-A-E-S-E. I don't even know how to say that. (laughs) And she says, I am preparing for a VBAC and I'm so happy to have found this podcast. I caught up on all the podcast episodes in a week and will be a loyal listener every Wednesday from here on out. Hey, guess what? I'm excited about that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I love it. And thank you for supporting and lifting women up in such a special and important topic. I've taken away so much valuable info and can't wait to keep absorbing. Keep up the fantastic work. We absolutely love reviews like this. When she says that she's going to be a loyal ris- listener, I'm not kidding. My face just like gleamed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. So we absolutely love your reviews. So if you wouldn't mind, go and drop us a thumbs up and a five star and a happy review because you may be able to get that on the next podcast. Yes, we love reviews, guys. We're just stay-at-home moms with a bunch of crazy kids running around trying to keep clean and keep everyone from hurting each other. And your reviews are really the highlight of our day and sometimes even our week. (laughs) Definitely. All right. So, Julie, are you ready for Guess It? Yes, I think so. I don't know. I'm sensing some tricky questions coming up. I know you've been sneaking around. I'm loving loving the games. So I want to play Guess It with you. And today we're going to guess how long each of these animals are pregnant for. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. An elephant. How long do you think an elephant is pregnant for? Okay. So elephants are huge. Makes me feel like my bigger babies are not that big, really. (laughs) But I would say uh, two years. So really close. Okay. Really close. (laughs) It's 21 months. Oh, 21 months. 21 months. that's so long. Makes me grateful for the nine months. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. How about a dog? Okay. I had a dog that got pregnant on accident. And <laughs> and I don't remember how long. It, like two months has to be like it's eight weeks. It's two months. Yes. Nice job. I'm nice. rocking and rolling over here. Okay, a giraffe. Okay. Do you remember that video with April the, the giraffe on Facebook? Do you remember? No. Like forever ago? Oh, I do not. Megan. <laughs> going to have to educate you. Okay, let's see. Um, I would say 18 months. Close. 15. 15 months? 15 oh, man, months. I want these animals to be pregnant for longer than they want to be. I know, I, <laughs> I know, right? Okay, how about a cat? A cat? Yep. Same as a dog. Yep. Yeah. Yep, same as a dog. <laughs> All right, how about a goat? Let's see. A goat, let's say goats can have three months. Five. Oh, five, five months? months. That's, That's so little. little. Yeah. yeah. A rabbit. Okay, rabbits, they have that reputation, you know. I would say They're rabbits. Small. Six weeks. One month, so four weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's that'd be it. insane. You wouldn't have to, you like, positive pregnancy test, boom, you're having a baby. Yeah, crazy. Cow, huh? That's insane. Okay, and then two more a llama. A how, llama? Yeah, how long do you think a llama is pregnant? Um, do you know what's so funny, just random, is that there's mink, 
a mink farm by my house. Oh, yeah. And I always get them confused with emus, which are kind of like llamas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mink and llamas and emus, they're not even close to the same. <laughs> my husband always makes fun of me because I call it the emu farm. Um, let's see, llamas, I would say a year. No. Eight months. You're close. You were, oh, eight. You were close. Eleven months. Uh, yep, eleven months. You're <laughs> yes. closer. And a kangaroo. Okay, kangaroo. How long do you think a kangaroo the is pregnant for? Let's see, in a little pouch. I would say I would say a year. Fifteen months. Fifteen months. Yeah. Oh, man. That yeah. makes me grateful for eight months. I don't think I would like a four-month pregnancy. You don't really have enough. You don't have not, enough time yeah, to even enjoy it. Four weeks? Oh, but gosh. think about it. So, women... As you are eight months pregnant, going into your ninth month, and you're miserable, think about an elephant who is pregnant for 21 months. Makes you feel not as huge, and it makes you feel (laughs) it's not so long after all. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's get right into that episode. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Good morning, women of strength. It is Wednesday. It is the day after Christmas, and I am so excited. I hope that everyone had a great holiday with their family and that it's not too cold where you are because it is most definitely too cold in my house right now. So I hope you're gathering around a warm fireplace and a cozy blanket with some hot chocolate as you meet our special guest today. Her name is Mandy. She's in Idaho. And you guys, this girl's had six births, and her story is just incredible. And I think you're going to agree with me. Her first birth was a C-section with a special scar. So um, she had an inverted T-scar, and she actually knows Bronwyn, who was on our episode two weeks ago, and my friend Leslie, who's on episode number 17, all these wonderful women that are paving the way and making changes in their communities and in the country, helping to make special scars and be back after multiple C-sections more common. So Mandy's actually had two C-sections and then four V-backs, and for her last baby, she actually had a hospital policy change so that she could be back at the hospital. And before I give it all away and tell the story for her, I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over right to you, Mandy. Awesome. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I think I'll start with my first C-section because, as we all know, when you're a VBAC mom, that's usually where it starts. So... With my first baby, I was 21 when I had my first baby. We'd been married about a year and a half, and so I was pretty young, and I didn't know a lot about birth. I just knew I didn't want a C-section, and I was going to try to do it naturally. I didn't know what all went into that, and I had a really tough pregnancy, and I threw up. I was so sick the whole time, and then I went to a doctor in Blackfoot, Idaho, And I ended up 
getting a lot of swelling and my blood pressure went up at the end. And so I ended up having an induction two days before my due date, which was February 16, 2007. And I was induced with Cytotech, which works really, it worked quickly and I dilated very quickly and I was told that I was complete and we called my family and said, we're about to push and we pushed and pushed and pushed and my baby never descended into the birth canal. And at this point I'd had an epidural. They had broken my water without asking me and I had just been through, you know, the the same old <laughs> system of of interventions and the doctor wanted to take me in for a c-section and I just you know cried and pled for more time and we tried to push more and I couldn't really feel the pushing and and then you know it was like five o'clock on a Friday and we went into the operating room to do a c-section and then I don't know exactly what happened the c-section said it was arrest of descent meaning she didn't really go down but something with the positioning, she was kind of stuck. And so they couldn't get her out of the C-section. They tried suctioning her out of the C-section. I had uh, at least two or three people pushing on my chest, trying to get her out, and they couldn't. And so finally, the doctor had to make an extra incision on my uterus. And so it started out as a low transverse. And then they added an extra vertical incision. And so basically my scar looks like an upside down T on the inside. And so then they were able to get her out. And I actually had bruising like outside my belly for a few months after that. But she was born healthy and well. And I had a pretty good recovery considering that. And I just remember being so sad in the recovery room because I just wanted to hold my baby and that was really emotional for me. I was really, I was sad about the experience, really happy about my baby, but I just, I did cry a lot about how it resulted in a C-section. And I was, I, I had been told just a few weeks prior, well, by a friend, well, if you have to get a C-section, I just want you to know that you can have a V-back. And so I kind of held on to that through the C-section. And then when we were getting checked out of the hospital, I asked my doctor if I, I said, but I can have a VBAC, right? Like I can have a natural birth. And he said, he said, well, your C-section, I had to add an extra cut. And so you will never be able to have a labor. You will never be able to have a natural birth. And your baby was way too big and she never would have fit. And so she was, (laughs) yeah. And he said, you know, yeah, you'll just have to always have C-sections. And my baby was um, nine pounds, eight ounces. She was good size. He told me that she wouldn't have fit through because usually a lot of times when the doctor gives you a C-section, they don't want to say, I mean, they, of course, they always want to make it sound necessary. And, and it may or may not have been in this case. I don't know. But that was pretty devastating for me. And so then they said to also wait a year before I had another baby and to heal up. and. Besides that, everything went pretty okay. I was sad about it, but I did okay. And then I was actually, I found out I was pregnant with baby number two six months later. So at the time we lived in Twin Falls, we had moved and I went to another doctor and I 
talked to him, and he said that he was VBAC friendly, but because of my incision type, that I would have to have another C-section. And I was sad about that, And but at that time, I just didn't know to question. I didn't have the knowledge. And he also had, like, one thing that bothers me looking back is he was a very nice doctor, but he, when I asked about VBAC, he said, well, I'm sorry, unfortunately, because of your incision type, you cannot have a VBAC because it's really dangerous. But it's okay, because if you want to have a big family, like, I did someone's eighth, eighth C-section the other day. Like, it's okay. Oh, <laughs> and my gosh. I know. And and now, knowing the risks of that, it really bothers me that it's people scary. will downplay. It's really scary. Because, I mean, after I learned about the risks of that many repeat C-sections, I just can't believe that they would downplay that risk like that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So. This C-section was actually way worse for me because they did the C-section. It it wasn't an emergency. They decided to do it earlier at 37 weeks because I had some slight proteins, but I didn't have high blood pressure and I felt fine. And I kind of wonder looking back if they were worried about my scar, so they decided to do the C-section a little bit earlier. So he was born at 37 weeks. And my spinal didn't work. And so so they put me under general anesthesia. And they wouldn't they were going to do it without letting my husband in the room. Like they wanted to do it before I even had talked to him. And I said, I have to talk to my husband because they kept pinching and I could feel the cold water on my belly. And I said, I am not numb. Like I can't I can feel everything. And so they said, Well, we're just gonna have to put you under and so I said, I have to see my husband before you put on, put me under. I'd never been put under before, and I was terrified. And so then they, my husband had to give me a kiss, and they wouldn't let him be in the room because of the general anesthesia. So they kicked him out, but I had about eight students in the room watching, and they put me under. They did the birth. They didn't come get my husband until after the baby was all washed up with the hat on, and, and I didn't wake up until about two hours after he was born. And I woke up in a ton of pain because the spinal didn't work and I was groggy and I felt guilty for not being more excited because I just wasn't with it, you know. And I remember being so sad that everybody already knew and had seen my baby, but I hadn't seen my baby. And finally, you know, eight hours later or so that night, I was finally able to kind of have my moment and feel kind of awake. And after that birth, it was only 14 months after my other C-section. And after that birth, I just was like, I do not want to do that again. And I, I cried a lot. It was really hard for me to process. And I, and I just couldn't, I just was so sad. (laughs) And I was scared to have any more kids after that. And I feel like sometimes people will just say, you're just so grateful. You're lucky that your baby is fine, but emotionally it's it can be a hard thing you have to grieve when you have a tough birth so after that I just you know I I had just prayed and I had thought and and I just had hoped that somewhere in the back of my mind I just hoped that someday I could have a natural birth even though the odds seemed to be stacked against me and so fast forward three and a half years later well about three years later I was expecting baby number three and I went to a couple nurse midwives and I was going to meet with some doctors to see if, if VBAC was a possibility because I had been kind of searching and, and reading and researching and I just didn't know what to do. And I just did not want to go through an, 
a C-section unless it was absolutely necessary. So I had ran across, I had, by this time, I had joined a Facebook group called Special Scars, Special Women. And I was extremely grateful because there were many women that had had VBACs on different incision types. And in our group, there are women with inverted T's, there are women with upright T scars, X's, J's, which is where like one side rips up the side or downward. There are even women that have ruptured, that have had myomectomies, and VBAC was becoming more of a possibility in my mind. <laughs> so I was able to find a couple friends that were VBAC friendly. One had just had a VBAC home birth after two C-sections, and at this time, this was right, this was in 2011, and it was right after they had changed the law in Idaho where you had to go, you have to go, now in Idaho you have to go to a certified midwife instead of, you can't go to a traditional midwife. But in Utah, they're, both are options still. And so with my scar type and with my having two C-sections, I wasn't able to go to a midwife in Idaho. And then I wasn't, at the time, I didn't know a doctor that could, that would take me on or help me do a VBAC. And so then I was kind of in a searching for someone to help me out. So I hope that's making sense. <laughs> totally is. We're tracking. Yeah. Okay. So I, I started making phone calls. I remember my friend had given me the movie Business of Being Born. So I saw it and I cried through the whole thing because I, I feel like, I don't know, I think it's like a, it's a special, it's a certain kind of person that wants to be back. Some women don't get it. Like they're yep. super happy with, with their uh, C-section. And then some women, it's just like, it seems so unfair that you are being denied something that is just like this <laughs> instinct in your life, this thing that you want to do. And so many people didn't understand. And when I was going through this journey, I really... I was outspoken about VBAC, but I was very quiet about what I wanted to do because people thought I was insane. <laughs> so, yeah, so, seriously. Yeah, and because of my incision type, I was also terrified that I couldn't, even though I am 5'9", I am not a small person, and my husband is tall, but I had it in my head, well, my baby wouldn't have fit, and my baby couldn't descend because in that brief little you know, visit with this doctor, he had somehow made me think that I am broken and I cannot deliver a big baby myself. And so uh, after all of my research that I had been doing and on the Special Scars group, and then I joined an awesome ICANN group, and then I started taking a childbirth class with my husband. This was my third baby. And um, I came to the conclusion that I would need to have movement and labor. I would need to have support to do things on my own timing because I wanted to have every, all of the, the best chances of success. And so I started calling midwives and even some midwives didn't want to take me and some weren't able to because of Idaho law. And at this time we lived over by Rigby, Idaho or close to Rexburg. And finally I had called I had found out that Chris Miller in Ogden, Utah, is so experienced. He's done it for Love so long. Her. Love her. Oh, I feel <laughs> a very special place in my heart. So I called her one day. I remember driving on this windy road, taking my kids to a lesson or something, and 
I called her and I hadn't met her before and I told her my story and and she just was so positive and she said that she had way back in California she'd worked for a home birth doctor and his wife had had classical cesareans and she had watched him deliver his own baby <laughs> well his wife delivered the baby he caught the baby wow. after a classical c-section and I remember her telling me when you get your shoulder operated on do they tell you never to use it again? <laughs> so, Seriously. I love that. that yeah. So yeah. I love that analogy because she said, when they cut into your shoulders and they tell you, well, we're going to fix it, but you can never use it again. No. <laughs> the same body is healed. And so at the same time, I had, I had also talked to some doctors in Rexburg, and I just didn't feel comfortable. They still hadn't okayed me for my scar. I, I talked to some nurse midwives, but they – I just didn't feel that comfortable. And so I talked to my husband and we decided that we would go down to this birth center and just, just visit with this midwife and have a consultation. And I really feel, I feel like it was, I, I feel like it wasn't a coincidence. It was like a huge blessing. We got there and this couple happened to be there for their six week postpartum checkup. And they lived in Idaho as well, and they had just delivered their VBAC after two C-sections at the same birth center. And she had gone to law school, and he was a dentist, and they had tra- traveled, you know, close to the same distance to this midwife. And I remember thinking, well, they're not stupid. <laughs> they're not idiots. And they, yeah. they went to a midwife, wait, you know, <laughs> that's an out, outside of a hospital to a birth center, and and, you know, she's a lawyer. He's a dentist. They're, they're smart. <laughs> you know, like, we're not that crazy. And so they introduced us to their little VBAC baby. And that just made me feel so much better to know. Like, and I started meeting more and more amazing people that had gone to the same place I had. So my drive was three and a half hours. And my husband and I left the birth center. And I asked my husband how he felt about my midwife about the midwife and he said he's like I felt so comfortable there like I just felt like that's what we need to do and so I started making monthly trips down to Ogden with my three and four year old and we would just drive three and a half hours there and drive three and a half hours back and so as as it got closer and closer I I just the anticipation grew and I worried about being able to go into labor and I worried about everything. Um, and I processed a lot of things from my previous birth, but I, I hit about 38 weeks and I, I started feeling like it's been a couple signs. Like I lost a little bit of a, like my mucus plug and I called my midwife and I said, could this be happening? And she's like, well, you know, it could trigger labor. You'll have to see. And so the next, the next morning I, started feeling like what I thought were like cramps and then I realized they were timed and I'd never had I'd had labor with Pitocin before my c-section and that's it and so I knew that was labor so I started timing them and I went and got adjusted and I was so worried about making it that I told my husband we have to go and and I wasn't sure if it was the real thing but things were consistent and they didn't stop and so we just got in the car we met my mom, dropped the kids off, and we, things slowly got closer together as we went down to Utah, and I walked around Target, we went shopping, 
and they it was like a total textbook labor. Like it was like it started at eight in the morning and about five o'clock I could tell they were close enough. We went to the birth center and I was about four centimeters and then things just progressed and progressed. And by the time it was getting close to mid midnight, I was com- uh, fully dilated. And then I had, I was a 10 for three and a half hours and she was high in the birth canal. And that was really rough. <laughs> yeah. Even my midwife, it was, and I think a lot of it, I honestly think a lot of it was fear because I was, I, I had had a C-section for that reason and I just had to have movement. I moved, I walked, I was in and out of the birth tub. I finally went back towards the bathrooms. I was like squatting and, and even my midwife said, you have done everything. If for some reason this baby's, if for some reason she's having a hard time dropping, it is not your fault. And and I got so scared that if she didn't drop soon that we'd have to transfer. So I finally, I, I turned around, I grabbed onto this toilet, and I squatted, and I pushed as hard as I could. And, and um, she came down and out in one push. <laughs> so, Whoa, um, that is so cool. Uh, yeah. Rush. And she was still pretty high. Uh, um, it was, I mean, I it was crazy. I don't know if I had a little... I don't know if it's the shape of my pelvis. All of my babies have kind of been up high until they come out. I don't really, they don't really have the molding on their head. They don't really like drop. So I don't know, but I had that V-back. Um, it was, right out. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really fast pushing. I did have some hemorrhaging after, but you know, um, we're able to get through that. And the recovery, like, emotionally was just so much better. Like, I had some stitches. I had a few little tear, but I just, it was just amazing, and and I was so grateful, and, and I just remember my midwife, I was like, thank you so much. I just was so grateful to her and to my husband for helping me through labor, and, and but she just kept saying, it wasn't me. It was you. It was, you did this, <laughs> you know, and just put the credit, they just put the credit back to the woman. And I was just so excited. And anyway, so that's my first VBAC. And, and since then, I've had four VBACs. And which I, I really look at that as like, I don't think I would have had this many kids if I would have kept going the C-section route. I know I would be done by now. (laughs) But my body has done it. And, and my VBAC after that, my baby was nine pounds, 15 ounces, and it was a very easy pushing delivery. And so I was like, you know, that doctor that told me my baby never would have fit, it was like, you were wrong. <laughs> so, yes. You were so wrong. So, okay. So I hope I'm not rambling too much, but anyway, so if you have any questions, please stop me. <laughs> um uh, but my most my most recent baby, I felt like I needed to be closer to home because my sorry I've had a lot of births so it's probably confusing. But my be <laughs> back number three, he he's my uh, three and a half year old. I barely made it to have him in in Ogden. Right now we moved closer, so now we're about two hours from the birth center in Ogden. When I had him. We made it with eight minutes to spare. It was that fast of a birth. And yeah, and so it was pretty crazy, but I was grateful. My whole labor was, it was two hours and 40 minutes long because I woke up with my water breaking. We booked it down to Utah and 
I had two contractions at the birth center and he was out. And Oh my gosh, um, that is crazy. Yeah, that was the best. I think it was the best. I didn't have, it was like, I can't believe it. We're done. <laughs> so yeah, every, every baby's so different. Like, and that's uh-huh. what bothers me too is sometimes women, their first birth where they end up with a C-section, they'll say, they, they're told things like, oh, you won't, you, you don't dilate. And I will hear women say, oh, I have to do this because I don't dilate or I yep. don't go into labor. And Every single, I have a friend that was told by her doctor that she has a cervix of steel and she will never, ever dilate. So she always gets induced at 39 weeks. And well, and it's sad too, because I have had a very wide variety of experiences. Every single one of my babies has been different in how the labors have been different. Mm -hmm. The pushing, the time, it's been completely different every single time. And so, yeah. And so when this this baby, I even before we I was pregnant with this baby, I just had a very strong intuition, and and I think planning my VBACs has really taught me how important a woman a mother's intuition is, just to go by how you feel, because I don't ever feel like my views on choosing to have a VBAC or choosing to go to a midwife. I feel like everyone needs to make their own choice on what feels right to them. And so, yes, um, obviously, I'm pro VBAC. Obviously, I feel like it's a great choice. But I also believe that every woman in every birth needs to listen to their heart on what they feel is right. And I, in this situation with this pregnancy, I had a very strong feeling that I needed to be close to home at the hospital. And it was really hard. It was hard to tell my midwife, I don't know why I feel this way. I love you and I wish I could do that. And and she said, she said, if you feel that way, you need to listen to it. And I will back you. If you need to come here, I will back you. But if you feel like you need, you know, you need to listen to your feelings, which I was so grateful. And so I had heard great things about an OB in Pocatello. My midwife friends had told me he was supportive, but I knew going into it that uh, Port Neuf Hospital didn't allow a VBAC after two C-sections. But because I had that feeling and it only was about 40 minutes from my house, I decided, well, I'll just give it a shot. I'll go to an appointment. I was really nervous because I didn't know what they were going to tell me. And so I went in to my appointment. And at this point, with I, I feel like I'm a lot more prepared because I no, I studied and I felt like I understand things a lot better. And so I went into my appointment and I said, hey, this is my situation. I've already had three VBACs. I have a special scar. And, and he was actually very considerate. And he said, well, I agree with what you're doing. I agree that VBAC was probably great for you, was the right choice for you. Because he said, I know that a lot of doctors are too quick to do cesareans and it can impact women for life. And I was really grateful to hear that. And so I felt pretty validated. And then then he left the room for a little bit and I let the nurse kind of do an exam on me and I wasn't even his client yet. But then he came back about 20 minutes later and it was so, he had had a change of heart and he was so fired up and, and he said, this is ridiculous. I have been looking. We are the only hospital that doesn't allow OB back after two C-sections in this entire area, and it is time to change it. And so as a result of talking to him, and, and here's the crazy thing. I know friends that have gone to this same doctor wanting to get a back after two that hadn't had, already had uh, VBACs 
and it just, I don't know, it just wasn't, I guess it wasn't time yet. I don't know. But whatever it was, he just decided this is ridiculous. <laughs> and here we have this mom that has already had three V-backs, and we're going to deny her that because of our, our policy. <laughs> and so he got the ball rolling, and my pregnancy went really well. At the, I was I felt really sick. I felt nauseous and stuff, but it went well. And my, you know, like, my sugar test came back normal. My blood pressure was great the whole time. But then around 32 weeks, I just felt a shift. I started feeling like something wasn't quite right. And I started retaining water really badly and really swelling. And my blood pressure jumped a little bit at that appointment. And it was a week where he was out of town. So I had gone to the nurse midwives, which... By the way, they don't allow nurse midwives to deliver VBACs in most hospitals, which I think is also ridiculous. But yeah. is that an side, Idaho thing? Side in Utah, they do it a lot. Do they? Oh, well, in Idaho, yeah. for, they don't allow nurse midwives to deliver the VBAC moms, which makes me upset because yeah. they need that support. That makes um, me upset, too. some hospitals here that, that have that rule. They oh, yeah, there are a few. We do. There we are do a couple. Some, yeah. But we actually have somewhere... There's like midwife practices, and they will accept feedback moms. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So he was gone that week, and then the following, they did a bunch of labs on me, so I started having to come in every few days for labs. And then he told me at my next appointment, he said, guess what? It passed. The policy has passed. It's not in writing yet, but it passed. And so I was grateful for that. Um, but then I was on edge because I didn't know what was going on with my body. I had preclamps with baby number one, but it had never been like, there, I never had like proteins like I had now, like it was getting worse. And so I kept trying to do all these natural things to hold it off and eating protein and drinking tons of water and just trying to, and we kind of limped along the next few weeks. And then my doctor had told me that it passed and then he had me do a 24-hour urine test, which I finally did that. And then I came into my appointment when I was 35 weeks and they say if it's over that, that specific test, if it's over a plus two, it's immediate delivery. This is the 24 hour urine analysis. I think Yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah. And so um, he said, but you're a plus six and we're going to deliver tomorrow. And so I was terrified because I felt like despite having all these VBACs and all these other babies, I felt like I and facing my fear of what happened the first baby. And I am 35 weeks. I'm going to go to a hospital, and they're going to induce me. How am I going to do this? How am I going to manage labor? What if, because I've had bad luck with that spinal in the past, and I was scared and terrified of getting an epidural, but I was terrified of how am I going to manage this if I have to deal with the tocin. And it's not a great idea. Like, a lot of times doctors will not induce a VBAC mom just because of the increased rupture risk. But he talked to me. We did. We started with a fully bulb the night before because he wanted to make it gentle. He didn't want to do anything hard. But the policy was officially in writing the day before I delivered. So I was so extremely grateful that I didn't have to go right to the operating room because normally I would have had to in that situation. <laughs> so they were able to do a fully bulb um, induction and, and that so that actually didn't take at first. And then we did a tiny, tiny dose of Pitocin and my body started responding. And then once my water was broken, I was very grateful and things just kicked on. And even through preeclampsia, severe preeclampsia and 
being only 35 weeks, I was able to deliver naturally. And I hired a doula, which was the first time I've done that. And it was awesome because I was so terrified. I was bawling the whole day before then. I was so scared because my baby was going to be early and I didn't, I, I'm, it's really hard when you have to, when you have preeclampsia or medical reason that you have to be induced because you've already, it's like, well, that's not what I believe. I want to go into labor naturally. And I kind of had to pull a 180 just because that was how this baby needed to come. <laughs> so, and so it was really hard because it kind of felt like I was going against what I wanted, but I had listened to my intuition and um, because of that, Everything, I was able to do it naturally. I was able to um, have my doula there and my husband, and they helped me work through contractions, and everyone treated me well. I did have a nurse that kept telling me I probably would have to get an epidural because I had preeclampsia, and if your blood pressure is high, you're, like, she was not very helpful saying that I would have to get an epidural, but I was like, I need to be moving, and so... I, once my water was broken, uh, everything kicked on and in like two hours I was a 10 and I really wanted to push on my hands and knees. That is the one thing the head nurse and a couple people, they made me flip on my back and that was awful. I did not want to do that. (laughs) So I did have to flip on my back, but we pushed him out and he was the first baby born under the new policy as a, a VBAC after two. And he did have to do some NICU time. Um, his lungs were kind of weak and he had really low blood sugar. So we did have to do NICU time, which was really hard. That was my first time, but all in all, I feel really blessed. So I feel blessed that now a policy has changed and now women that want to deliver at the hospital after two C-sections, they can. So I'm really grateful for that. Which is amazing. Yes. You have changed so much for your community. (laughs) Well, I think it just goes to show In our classes, we talk a lot about intuition and we talk a lot about fighting and working for changes and things like that. And in the 1980s, ICANN was founded and people are starting to realize that like repeat C-sections were not a good thing and the C-section rates were climbing and there's just stories about all these women like Ina Mae Gaskin and Penny Simpkin and all these birthy people that we now know by name, you know, kind of started advocating and and creating this loud voice for women and for change in the birth culture and the birth culture started changing and women became more prepared and c-section rates started going down I mean they've gone back up since then but like people becoming more aware and VBAC is becoming more common and I think that's what we're doing right now with VBAC oh yeah I think that one by one and hospital by hospital and state by state we are making changes and I am so excited yeah. that you went to, to that provider and, and that provider said, yeah, this is a dumb policy. I don't even know why we have that. Let's change it. And then, and then he yeah. went and got it changed. And now the, all the women after you are going to have a much easier time. I think not only with VBAC after two C-sections, but even with one C-section, you know, like when, when more and more things related to VBAC become acceptable, then VBAC in general, becomes easier to obtain. Right. Well, and I feel like even just woman to woman, like I really believe knowledge is power. And the women that uh, talked to me, one of the first women that talked to me 
when I still, because women really are in a vulnerable state when a doctor tells them something. And so I truly believe that I was broken, that I cannot labor. And I had one friend that was brave enough to say, your doctor was wrong. And I was really offended (laughs) at first. But now I think, oh my goodness, like she changed my thoughts. She helped me understand and she gave me books to read. And and once I had that education, when women can inform themselves, that changes everything. If they know, yeah, education, I mean, it really is powerful. And I mean, I had, it's just amazing too, like you brush shoulders with someone that is planning a VBAC or or listening to their intuition, and it makes a difference. Like, so I had this friend talk to me about VBAC, which got me on my journey. And then I had a friend that while I was planning my VBAC, she got pregnant, and she ended up switching providers from a a doctor to home birth midwives at a birth center at 37 weeks because she wanted a VBAC. And so it's just amazing that I'm so grateful to see that you're doing this and that women are getting informed because it just really, I just know, I learned so much about myself through this whole process and I, I really feel stronger as a person and I also just feel passionate about following my intuition and being able to have choices with how I birth my babies. So. Definitely. Yes. And thank you so much for that. That's, that's our drive. That's our passion. And, and I think that um, we need to figure out a way to where we kind of press upon women how important this is without them having to have gone through something traumatic first or without a C-section first. You know, like, I feel like a lot of times that's how it starts. You always hear, like, Megan had two C-sections, and then she was like, screw this, I'm going to be a doula, and I'm going to have a V-back after two C-sections. And my first birth, I felt very confident that I knew exactly what I was doing, but I didn't even think C-section until the second they said, you're going to have a C-section. And I think that we need to find out how to impress upon these first-time moms that knowing about your options is so important. And knowing that your doctor is meant to fix problems instead of facilitate a nice, normal, physiological birth, it can go a long way. And and that is the million-dollar question. Like, how do you do that? How do we... Right. do that. And if anyone out there is listening and knows the answer, email me info at com because we really want to figure out how to get the word out there so that so that our C-section rates are almost non-existent. And when they are, then VBAC is the logical go-to. And let's right. do that. Let's do that together. So if you have ideas, email us info at com, or you can use the contact form on our website com. Oh, thank you so much for sharing awesome. your story with us. There's just so much good stuff in there. I, I feel like I could sit here and talk oh, to you for, for hours. Thank you. Well, I didn't know. <laughs> There's so much I could touch on and, you know, it's just, it's been an amazing journey and, and I'm at this, I mean, even though it was difficult, I'm also grateful for what I've learned and and through all of it, I've been able to even attend. I'm not a doula or a midwife, but I've been able to attend some birth as a birth photographer, and it is oh yay been like full circle. Yeah, like full circle to be able to see to go through it myself, and then to be able to see a VBAC mom have mm-hmm. a baby. It's just 
it's such a miracle to it's see someone else. Thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't, I don't have any desires. Like, I think what you do is amazing as a doula and a midwife, but just to be in the presence of someone having a baby and to see them having their choices and their options is just a miracle. So, yeah, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.